I would like to see the Mississippi River cleaned and not full of chemicals. Because the industries, they dump benzene in the river, in our drinking water. They dump formaldehyde in our drinking water and other chemicals. But my dream is to see St. James the way it was when I was a little girl. That's what I would love. Welcome to Temperature Check, a podcast from Grist. I'm Jess Stahl, editor of Creative Storytelling. This season of Temperature Check is all about pivot points. We're featuring the stories of people who've made a big change in their life or career or community to take action in the climate crisis. It's about how ordinary people find their place in an extraordinary battle and what happens after you make the choice to get involved. Our first story in this series comes to you from Sharon Levine. Sharon lives in St. James Parish, Louisiana, in an area known as Cancer Alley. If you haven't heard of it, Cancer Alley is an 85-mile stretch of petrochemical plants, oil refineries, and other industrial operations that runs from New Orleans to Baton Rouge along the Mississippi River. Air pollution in the area means that residents face a lifetime cancer risk estimated to be up to 47 times higher than what the EPA deems acceptable, and Black communities are hit the hardest. Sharon spent most of her life as a special education teacher, but as the years went by, the air quality in St. James Parish got worse and worse. Eventually, Sharon learned the connection between the plants, the air, and the terrifying rates of sickness and death in her community, and she decided to do something about it. This is her story. My name is Sharon Levine, and I'm 70 years old, and I am an environmentalist, and I'm the director and founder of Rise St. James. I grew up in St. James Parish in a little area called Chapman Town, and we had gardens of vegetables. My daddy raised cattle. We ate off the land. We grew everything, just about everything. In the wintertime, we would have figs. My mama would cook the figs in the summer and preserve the figs. And that would be fowl meals in the winter. And then my dad would have the fresh cow milk. You milk the cow, and the next day, you would have that fresh cow milk because he put it in the refrigerator and be nice and cold and taste good. We didn't have to buy eggs or milk or anything like that. We got it off the farm. And my daddy raised the hogs. We ate pork. And to me, it was a dream come true. The air was clean. I could breathe the air when I walked out of the door. And we weren't sick. We didn't have any type of illnesses or anything. We didn't have any sinus problems. I can tell you that much. We didn't have sinus. I didn't even know what sinus was. I didn't even have headaches. I didn't have anything wrong at that time. When the first plant came, my daddy was in politics and he was an environmentalist or a leader, whatever you want to call him. 
And I could hear him telling my mama, ooh, we got a plant coming to St. James, and blah, blah, blah. And we were all excited. And we all started to smell things, but we didn't let it worry us because we, we really didn't know what it was anyway. We just smelled something. You better not take a deep breath today. You will get a breath full of chemicals going down your throat. And you see, within a 10-mile radius, we have 12 industries. And that's all you see at night. Look like it's lit up like Christmas time. It's, it's so many lights out there and flares. Sometimes flares are late at night, sometimes early in the morning, and sometimes during the daytime. I'm so tired of driving down Highway 18 and get a smell of these chemicals, ammonia, different smells. And sometimes it smells like a rotten egg, a smell that goes down to your throat. And sometimes my throat burns. I have a friend right now with liver cancer and it's spreading. We have another friend that used to cut the grass in the graveyard. He is down with cancer right now. He can't work anymore. I have two brothers with cancer. The one had the prostate taken out. And they both worked at plants. But my brother's wife, the one that had the prostate cancer, his wife died with cancer in the breast. And she worked at industry. That was a friend of mine. We were the same age. Sometimes I don't like to talk about it. It hurts for. And I feel like, I feel like we are next. I just feel like that. I'm going to a funeral Saturday. Going to, I have a funeral tomorrow of a friend. I imagine myself laying in that casket. I really do. Especially friends that I know that died because of industry. We just buried one of my friends. He was working at a plant. And his wife said she knew the plant caused him to get sick after 40 years. And she said she hugged me so tight. And she told me that she think it came from there. And I told her I think so too. Other people say, oh, no, it wasn't because of that. It was stress. I said, huh, it might have been stress because of that. So I have people that are trying to dispute it. If we only had the proof, if we only had a toxicology lab that we can take samples and have people working in there and really let the world know what they're doing to us. I know it's industry. It wasn't industry be before. People were stressed. They wasn't dying because they were stressed. You, you pray and you get over the stress, but you can't get over those chemicals in your body. I started teaching back in the 80s, and I didn't pay attention to the industry. All I know, I passed in front of them. But I used to smell things. I said, well, what would that smell is? Just go ahead on about my business. And uh, I thought everywhere was smelling. I didn't know it was just St. James. I, I know that sounds crazy for me to say something like that, but I thought the world was smelling not knowing that we have industry here and it could be the reason why I'm smelling this. I never once thought that when I first started teaching. I was special education teacher and I taught regular ed for one year. My first year, I worked for Assumption Parish. I taught the severe profile. They were really special ed. And then I stayed out a year. Then I started back in St. James Parish, my dad had told a school board member that his daughter paid tax in St. James and she's going to get a job in St. James. They created me a job. 
<laughs> so, and they asked me what, what school I wanted to be at. And I told them, the high school. <laughs> so I was at the high school. But when I went to the high school, I was teaching English, science, and social studies and math. It wasn't to the severe, profound children. It was the children. They were regular ed, but they might have been weak in one subject. They might have was weak in English or reading or math. And so those were the ones that I taught that was called slow learners. And then I left from there and they asked me if I wanted to work with the uh, severe profound. I said, I don't care. When I retired, I was teaching the severe profound. I was a teacher that showed compassion. I was a teacher that really cared and I wanted the students to learn. And when they didn't come to school, I called the house to find out why they didn't come. And one lady said, you're the only person that does that. You got to care. You got to care about your job, care about the children, not just doing it for a paycheck. Trust me, the children know if, if you care. And don't talk down to them. If you talk down to the students and they're not going to want to listen at you teaching them. So you try to build them up. Like if your child in the classroom and he made a D on his test and his friend made a B and they might make fun of the one that made the D and I would tell him something nice to make him feel well you know you made a mistake this time but it wasn't that big of a mistake next time you're going to do better I really enjoyed the students and for Christmas I like to give them a little Christmas party or something and I used to bake a cake and bring it to my classroom give it to my students and sometimes I would give them a hug <laughs> you know and uh, they were nice they were nice students and I love them all I really did It was years ago when I started noticing the smell. But as the years went on, the smell got worse. It started off a little bit, and it got more and more and more. I noticed the last few years of teaching school that the students had so many doctor appointments. And I also noticed the increase in students in special ed, especially with asthma and different illnesses. And... I thought maybe it was too many. I thought maybe it should have a decrease in students diagnosed as special ed. But it was an increase. I didn't know what was going on with them. I didn't think, you know, to even ask at that time. In the year of 2015, I noticed funerals, a lot of funerals. And I kept wondering why all these funerals? And a few times we had a funeral twice a week. And once or twice we had funerals three times a week between Ascension Parish, St. James Parish, and St. John the Baptist Parish. Sometimes I'd call people over there, they'd go into a funeral. Call people in St. John, sometimes they have a funeral on the same time with us. And it, it just, it brought attention to me. Why so many funerals? Why are people dying? What's going on? I didn't know what was going on. The funerals didn't stop. I had a friend named Robert Arsenal. He lived two houses down from me. And he would go in the Mississippi River and fish. And I said, Robert, that water is polluted. And Robert said, well, Sharon, you just have to, you cut the belly of the fish out. It was just like jelly. I said, Robert, I'm afraid to eat that. And he, 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 didn't, he didn't think, I, he thought I was playing. 
I said, no. I said, you can cut the belly out all you want. I'm not eating that fish, Robert. And Robert said he was, he was going to eat it, and he ate it. And then Robert passed away with throat cancer. That was my friend. And he passed away. Yes, it was scary. I thought the world was coming to an end. In 2015, I went to a meeting. Never been to a meeting in the public. Never had a reason to go to a meeting. So I went to this meeting, and they asked me if I wanted to join HELP. And I asked them what was HELP, and they told me, it's humanitarian enterprise of loving people. And I said, okay, so I joined. And I just didn't want to sit at the house when I retired because I was getting close to retirement. And then I said, I might as well join this organization and see what's going on in the community. And I might figure out what I want to do. I said, I might want to help the senior citizens. I might want to do something. I might want to drive people to, to the doctor that don't have cars. So when I joined the help, they had so many stories about the plants and the industry, the refineries and all that in St. James. I didn't know we had all of these things in St. James. I didn't know we had that many. And so I, I learned. And I learned that it was Cancer Alley. I started learning about it and, and reading about it and hearing about it, reading the newspaper and stuff. And the more I read, the more I was disgusted. And then so one day we rode down Highway 18 within a 10-mile radius, and we counted 12 industries. And that was blew my mind away. It just blew me away. 12? We breathing this stuff and have 12? Oh, my God. When I realized that this was called Cancer Alley, I felt like we didn't have long to live. I felt like it was a death sentence to us. I really felt like that. In 2016, I went to the doctor for my blood work, my annual checkup. And the doctor said, what's wrong with your liver? I thought she was joking. I thought she was, because you know, she's a nice lady. I thought she was joking with me. I said, my liver, I said, my liver is fine. She said, no, these numbers are not right, Sharon. I said, it's not right. I said, what's wrong? And she said, I'm going to send you to a gastrologist. And that's when the gastrologist diagnosed me with autoimmune hepatitis. He gave me some medication to take. And then he told me I have to take that for the rest of my life. One article said it came from industrial pollutants. And I said, that's my answer. These plants are killing us. That's why I'm sick. In 2018, a company called Formosa Plastics announced plans to build a $9.4 billion petrochemical complex in St. James Parish. The plant would be two miles from Sharon's home. And I asked help if they would do something. Can we stop it? And they said no, because the governor approved it. And they said no because the parish council is going to approve it. And they said no, when the governor approved it, Sharon, it's a done deal. And that angered me. And I said, well, the governor don't live here. He lives in another area. And he's not going to be polluted. It's going to be us. It's like they're making us a sacrifice for them to make the profit to run the state. We would have the meetings, the Help Association meetings once a month. And we would go home, me and Geraldine and Beverly, and we would 
talk in the meeting about why we don't do something and they would say this and that. So we'd get in the car and we would argue in the car, angry. We don't know why they don't want to stop this. This plant should be closed. This plant shouldn't do this. The plant polluting us. We would be arguing, you know, amongst each other in frustration. Geraldine said, Levine, you need to, you need to start another organization. I said, not me. I said, I don't know, I don't know anything about starting an organization. She said, well, Levine, somebody got to do something. I said, well, Geraldine, you could start one and I'll come to your house. And uh, she kept telling me that. She didn't just say it one time. And Beverly said it a couple of times. And we would talk about it. And, oh, we were so angry and upset. So I would go home at night from that meeting. I would take my bath, get ready for bed, and lay in the bed and talk to God. But God didn't answer me. I guess I didn't wait for an answer. I just told him what was going on. I told him the problems. And I told him, people are already dying. And I would just spill my guts out to God. Then I'd fall asleep. But I didn't wait for an answer. Then, I think it was a Sunday afternoon, I watched... The cardinals, the red cardinals, it was so pretty, going from one tree to the next. And I said, just look at that. It's so beautiful. And we said, the red cardinals means change. So I said, a change is going to come. I wonder what that change is going to be. And I thought maybe the plants would go away or shut down or something. That's what I thought. And then that particular day, well, I used to read my Bible, sit on the front porch, read my Bible. People pass and wave. People in St. James are very friendly. They'll wave and blow at you. So I sat on my porch that Sunday and watched the Red Cardinals. Then I was talking to God like I'm talking to you. And I said, dear Lord, do you want me to sell my... I had already been talking to him, but I remember these words when I said, dear Lord, do you want me to sell my home? And I did I did my arm out like that toward the, toward the house. And I said, a home that you gave me. And I wasn't waiting for an answer. <laughs> but that time, I didn't run to the next question. I just waited a second or two, and he answered me. I could have jumped out the chair. He answered me, but it startled me. And his voice was mostly in the right ear, like he was sitting on my right side. Then I said, dear Lord, do you want me to to sell the land, the land that you gave me? And I said, my you know, grandparents' land. And he said no again. And Lord, when he said no again, I didn't know what to do. And he was still on that right side, right next to me. And then I asked him, what did he want me to do? And he said, fight. Fight? I don't know how to fight. I said, I said, I didn't know how to fight. And the birds kept going back and forth. And then uh, I started crying. And the tears just flooded my face. And then after that, days later, I told some of the people as a member of the Help Association, that we're going to start our own organization. Geraldine was so happy. Beverly was so happy. And I said, we're going to have a meeting. It's going to be at my house. And there was about almost 10 people there. And so we had it at my house, and Shamel took the notes. Shamel is my oldest daughter. Everybody was talking and expressing their concerns. Lynn Nicholas was there. My brother Milton was there. And Geraldine, trying to think who else, and Beverly... And then I sat in the chair in the front, 
and ask them, what do y'all want to do? How are we going to fight this? And not knowing anything about anything of this and everything just came from the top of my head. And we started writing down what, what we wanted to do and we're going to have another meeting and all that good stuff. So I went to a meeting at Southern University Law School. They invited me to come. I went. About four of us went. And that night, Shemel and I spoke to the people to tell them what's going on in St. James. They didn't know. I thought they knew. I thought everybody knew what was going on in St. James. I didn't know. The people didn't know. The attorneys, counselors, NAACP, these people were there and listening to us. So the next day, I went back to the meeting. And then me and two other ladies stood up in front of the people with a poster to show them different things that's going on in St. James with the industries. And the people gave me their cards. They came up to him and wanted to talk to me. I didn't know what I was doing. All I knew was they're listening to us. And that's where I knew it was going in the fast lane. It's just like God was in charge. And just like God is the pilot in a jet plane. And we are the passengers. And God is going fast. It's going real fast. It's going so fast until it looked like I didn't know what I was doing, but God was doing it. And everything was being done right. Back in 2018, on November the 3rd, that was our first march. And that's when we first speaking as a RISE member. We had the bull's horn, and I spoke on the bull's horn. That was the first time I ever spoke in public. And then I said, Famosa, this is the stop. You will not be built here. And I mean it, they will not be built here. And then we marched in May of 2019. That's how fast things were moving. We've marched for five days from St. John the Baptist Parish to Baton Rouge, where the capital is. But in September of 2019, Wan Wan, a chemical plant from China, they were trying to be built on the east bank of St. James Parish, and they pulled out for some reason with the land, and also because we made noise. We went to the parish council meeting, we had marches, wrote letters, and they pulled out. That was our first victory. And our theme song is Victory is Mine. I was surprised about that victory because we had just started and it came to an end so fast because the newspapers say Rise St. James and other organizations were fighting against it. So they had community opposition. So that helped them to get out of here. And then the next one was South Louisiana Methanol. That was in September 2022. But the focus was mostly on Formosa because Formosa would be two miles from my home. We did videos against Formosa. We called out the HR person that's working with Formosa. And we talk about the people that's over LDQ, Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality. We wrote them letters. We went to the office to do an action. They wouldn't even come out of the office. 
and we protested against the governor. He still won't stop Formosa. We did a billboard and uh, signs saying St. James is our home, no Formosa. Formosa, you are not welcome here. We went to the parish council meeting, asked them not to vote for Formosa. They totally ignored us and they voted for Formosa, our own parish council members, and we voted them in. They are supposed to protect us, not protect industry. To listen to these council people vote for Formosa, it was heartbreaking. It was like an arrow went through my heart when our councilman said, yes, for Formosa. We went to court three times, twice on Zoom. And Judge Trudy White was the judge. And then the last time we went in person. And then it was four months for her to come back with her decision. And Judge Trudy White is a thorough judge. She go through every little sentence. And I like that about her. And so she came back in September and gave us the ruling. And my lawyer called and said, Sharon, have you heard the news? I said, no. She said, we won. I said, we won? She said, we won on all counts. I said, on all counts? She said, yes. I was so happy. I said, thank you, dear Lord. You said you were going to do it. Thank you, thank you. And he did it. And Formosa is at the point where I think they are shamed because they have all this money and they lost. (laughs) And we didn't have any money and we won. When you go back to the Bible, you can read about how David won over Goliath. David shot that bow and arrow, and Goliath fell. And so one time, we sent out an article saying, Goliath is wobbling. And the the lawyer called me and said, Sharon, that's a good title. Somebody wrote that, you know, for us. And she says, wobbling, it's almost down. I said, that's right, it's almost down. And in September, it fell all the way down because David was so little, Goliath was so big, and like we are small, and industries are large. They have billions and trillions of dollars, the dignitaries, all of that's for industry. The laws is in favor of industry, not to protect us. So it's just like a David and Goliath fight. We are fighting a giant. Formosa is a giant. And just little people like us destroy this giant. So we're not going to celebrate until it's completely down because they are appealing it. If Rise St. James and other organizations hadn't stepped in, Formosa would be built, not completely finished, but it would be started on already. And the pollutants would be triple the emissions in the 5th district and double throughout the parish. It would be like 800 tons of greenhouse gases per year. And it would be 14 plants inside of the complex. That's how big it would be. The complex would be sitting on 2,400 acres of land. And that's a lot of land. And we have to pass by that industry every morning, probably smell the stuff. And they were going to dump more chemicals into our drinking water. So... It would kill off our birds, our animals, and the people. 
I think if you want to be successful in anything, you have to do it with the whole community, not by yourself, but with people helping you and joining forces with you. The power is in the people. And to be successful, you have to get your facts. You have to know what you're fighting against and what the reasons are, the consequences. You have to know all of these things before you just step out there and be that voice. If nobody else is speaking up, you speak up. You be the voice. Do do your homework. Talk to God and you will be successful. I feel like I'm doing what God wants me to do. And sometimes I pray and I ask God not to let me lose track of what he wants me to do. Sometimes I pray and I ask him to continue to guide me because the devil gets in the way. And I mean people that try to come and help us for their own gain, not because we are being poisoned. They come to help us to make money off of our lives. And I ask God not to let me hate them and not to let me lose sight of what you told me to do. And I have to pray hard to keep the vision of what God gave me. It's a hard fight because you're fighting people that's fighting against you. But I'm not afraid. God put this in me. He gave me the strength, the knowledge, the courage, and the faith. And that's what keeps me going. What's next for Rise St. James is to stay on top of what's going on, to make sure we get it firsthand what industry is trying to come in. And as I speak, they have some right now that's trying to come in. And so we want to try to get it first so we can stop it before the parish council approve it. I want reparation for the family members who lost people due to industry and all the pollution. And I want the industries that are not following the rules and the regulations, I want them to be shut down and moved away and bring back our houses, our grocery stores, our post office, and bring us clean air. Clean air is the main thing and clean water and be able to do a garden again and eat your vegetables from your garden. Butter beans, okra, tomatoes, cucumbers, squash. Oh boy, that would be nice. And string beans. I would love that. I would like to see the Mississippi River clean and not full of chemicals. But my dream is to see St. James the way it was when I was a little girl. That's what I would love. Oh my God, that's the answer. That's the key. Having faith, having God on your side, that's the answer to anything that you want to do. And I mean, before I felt like this, it changed me. It changed my inner being. And I look at people now, people could say something but the worstest person and I always say there's some good in that person. You just have to dig a little bit deeper. And the same way with my students, when some of the teachers didn't want the students around them. And I said, dear Lord, how could they think like that? That's a human being. But now I see good in just about everybody, even the worstest person. I look at people in a deeper eye, like a different eye. I just go deeper into their soul. I see things different in life. I see life different. And I feel like this is my mission to save the lives of the people in St. James Parish and throughout Council Alley. 
In March, Rise St. James, alongside other organizations, sued St. James Parish. They're demanding a moratorium on the construction of new petrochemical plants. If successful, it would be the first ban of its kind in the state of Louisiana. Thank you for listening, and thank you so much to Sharon Levine for sharing her story. This episode is the first of six we'll be sharing over the coming weeks of people who've made big changes to their careers or their communities, and often to both. You can read more stories about those working towards climate solutions and a just future at grist.org. Temperature Check is a podcast from Grist, produced in association with Reasonable Volume. I'm Jess Stahl, editor for Creative Storytelling. Grist's Claire Thompson and Josh Kimmelman contributed to this podcast. Design is by Mia Torres. This podcast is produced by Christine Fennessy with associate producer Summer Tamad and editing by Elise Hugh and Rachel Swaby. Sound engineering is by Mark Bush. If you'd like to support what we do, you can rate, review, and tell all your friends to follow Temperature Check. Thanks, and see you next week.